happy Senior Sunday. Uh, it is a good day to be together and to celebrate uh, this graduating class of 2023. I want to say thank you real quick to Landon. Landon and I um, went to school together. Landon was in my wedding, and Landon's getting married here in a couple of weeks as well, and so it'll be fun to celebrate him. He came on pretty short notice a couple of weeks ago. I found out Blake wasn't going to be able to be here, and so I was like, oh, well, in the past when Blake's been out, I've led worship and I don't think I can do both. So I kind of went around and Landon was willing to, he's a youth minister at Union City uh, and Exchange Street, and he uh, was willing to take a Sunday off to come be with us. And so thank you, Landon. Um, this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. No, we're not continuing the As You Go series. Um, but when I thought about what can we be talking about with our seniors today, um, Matthew chapter 14 kind of came up. And so there will be some tie-ins, but um, we are skipping Matthew chapter 13, and we'll be back in Matthew chapter 13 next week and then less than two weeks we'll do another part of Matthew chapter 14 but if you have your Bibles go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 14 and before um, I get into that um, I want to share just a little bit of a story growing up I loved to participate in things and I remember the first time my dad took me to a Titans football game it was in 2002. Um, I was young, and I was watching the Titans get beat by the Cowboys, 21-13. to 13. Steve McNair threw two interceptions, and the Titans fumbled the football once. It was a pretty horrid day for the Titans. It was also pouring down rain. Um, but for me, it was amazing, right? I was six years old. I thought everything in the world around me was absolutely insane. I'd never been in a stadium that big and big before. I was totally invested. I was eating my $15 hamburger that was at the time pretty good. Um, but now that I've had another one, it's not as great as I thought it was when I was six. And then I was also wearing my $80 little jersey that is probably nowhere to be, no, who knows where that is now. Um, so I was totally invested in the sights and sound. And I was remember sitting there and after the Titans third, third turnover, I said, okay, dad, so when do we get to play? And I looked at him and he looked back at me. Now just imagine this 43 pound little kid, probably less than that. Uh, thinking that he was going to play in this game and with all these adults hitting each other in football. But I really thought, okay, when do I get to play? Because in my head, I couldn't grasp that adults would pay a lot of money to go and watch other adults just play a game, right? I was wanting to be invested. I wanted to play. And as I think about this story... Um, and I think about that moment in my life, it just reminded me, like, do you remember as a kid, um, if someone gave you the choice between spectating or participating, between playing or watching, what would you choose? If you were like me, I would choose to play every time. Like, if someone was to say, William, would you want to watch an epic firework display, or would you want to go shoot Roman candles, I'm choosing the Roman candles all day, every day of the week, right? I want to be invested. I want to be hands-on. I want to participate. I want to play the game. Um, because when you were a kid, you lived to play. Like, from the time that you wake up, from the time that you go to bed, you live and exist to participate. But isn't it true that when you get older, something changes? You know, you fail enough. Or, like me, you get picked last for the dodgeball team enough. Uh, or you get told in, that because of your background or your past mistakes, you can't play here. Like, have you ever noticed 
Something about growing up turns us from participants to spectators, from players to watchers. And you and I live and we're being taught these subtle messages wherever we go. Saying, hey, in this metaphorical arena, this is the place where you can play and this is the place that you can watch. And you're figuring this out in the context of your friend groups. You're figuring this out in the context of your relationships and and work and and in the midst of your decision-making. And I would argue that this way of thinking has also found its way into the kingdom of God and greatly sometimes distorted the way that we view church. And sometimes, without even meaningful, we find ourselves in a place like this and we begin dividing lines because of certain things saying that these are the people that can play and these are the people that can watch and seniors as you move into this next season of your life my prayer is that you don't get caught in the middle of spectating in this season but that you realize that everyone has a place to play in the kingdom of god and this morning as we look into matthew chapter 14 i want to talk about the stretch and the strain that takes place in our lives when we move from sitting on the bleachers to playing on the field because sometimes my fear is that in church we put on the jersey we know the songs we know the scores we know the players we know the stories and we stand in the in the in the stands and we cheer and we 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 look at everything and we 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 spectate and we never come to any expectation that God might actually show up and touch you on the shoulder today and rearrange your life for his glory and your joy that in theory the most dangerous place that we should go should be church right the most dangerous thing that we should do is open the bible because there's something about following Jesus that will absolutely transform your life Some might even say, ruin your life. But I would argue that you should do it anyway because Jesus, he comes and he takes our plans for life. Uh, He takes our plans for life and he turns them upside down and gives us the life that we are meant for and we didn't know how to ask for in the first place. And this morning, I want to talk about the joyous and glorious yet painful moment from moving from watching to playing, from spectating participating from the stands to the field because you and i seniors and church you and i were made to get grass stains on our jerseys we were made to made to get our nose bloodied in the kingdom of god and i want to look at this crazy story here in matthew chapter 14 because i believe this crazy story has several everyday principles that will change the way you and i live tomorrow if you'll let it So let's look at Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to try this little clicker thing. Um, There we go. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus, he's just had an incredible day of ministry with his disciples and and some of his closest friends. And they're going and they're tired. uh, And he's going to send them on the other side of the lake. And Jesus is going to spend a day just kind of having a personal retreat with his heavenly father. And so this is where the story picks up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It says, immediately... Jesus made the disciples get out of the boat or get on the boat and go ahead of him on the other side. He dismissed the crowds and after he dismissed them, he went on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the winds was against it. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, it was probably four or five in the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, I know we're in church and we read these stories, but I want you to hear this again. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on a lake, 
right? Have you ever tried that before? Like, this is a crazy moment in the story. I remember growing up, there was multiple times where I wanted to do this, right? Where my friends and I, we'd be swimming at a friend's swimming pool, and we would see how many steps we could actually walk on the water, right? Typically, we didn't get past the first one, okay? This just doesn't happen, right? Have you ever tried it before, and how did it go? It's pretty impossible. Jesus Son of God in the flesh, it's an amazing moment. He didn't need a car. He didn't need a plane. He didn't need another boat. And he literally just begins walking on top of the water. It's an amazing story, right? A miracle that is happening in front of the disciples. And here in verse 26, it says, when the disciples, oh, I passed it. There it goes. It works. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified right? They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if that is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Hey, come play. Come get some grass stains on your jerseys. Like, get down here. Come on. You weren't just meant to watch. Verse 29, Peter got out of the boat. And he began walking on water with Jesus. So now you don't just have Jesus, son of God, walking on water. We have Peter walking on water with him. And he came towards Jesus. Verse 30, here it says, But when he saw the winds, he was afraid. And he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt And when they climbed into the boat, the winds died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And this is the word of the Lord out of Matthew chapter 14. It's a a crazy story. It's um, one where a mentor of mine helped me see that it's full of everyday principles that will not only be helpful for you seniors as you move into the next phase of your life, but also for us as a church as we continue to talk about what it looks about like to be disciples of Jesus and playing in the kingdom of God. So I want to notice this first principle that unfolds in verse 25, and it's this principle of vision. I want you to notice that where this story starts, and Peter kind of finds himself swept into this miraculous over-the-top moment. Uh, Because all of a sudden, he catches a fresh vision of Jesus. And I don't know if you think about this often, but every one of our lives are driven by vision. Whether we know that or whether we choose that, whether it's intentional or whether it's accidental, your life is arranged around your vision for what you think your life should be best suited for. So the reality is is that the things that you do, the way that you work, the places you go, the way you spend your money and your time are are all outputs and effects for your vision of life and the vision that you think is meaningful. So the question is, is not that... If, our, if we live a life based upon a vision, the question is, who is casting the vision upon which your life is based upon? Have you ever noticed, and this is something I say to our students all the time, have you ever noticed that what your eyes are fixed upon, your heart begins to hunger for? And what your heart begins to hunger for, your feet so often begin to follow. You see, what your eyes are fixed upon, your heart begins to hunger for. And what your heart hungers for, your feet begin to follow. And so you think about the way that that works. And if you fix your sight 
on the American dream, comfort, safety, security, and wealth. Have you ever noticed that suddenly all your heart begins to hunger for those things? And it doesn't matter um, what house or apartment, whether your house or your apartment is perfectly suited for, the moment you walk into a house of your friends who's bigger and better than, you automatically begin hungering for something bigger and better. Right? Thinking, man, if only I had what they had. If only I could be where they could be. Have you ever noticed the way that when you fix your eyes on something, your heart hungers? And you begin making decisions around that. Let's take that maybe to another realm. Have you ever noticed that when you fix your eyes upon things that are not of God, your heart begins to hunger for those things? And you chase after those things? Have you ever noticed that in your rhythm of life, when you fix your eyes upon the things that are not of God, your heart begins to hunger for those things and how often your actions begin to follow what your eyes have been set upon and what your heart has been cultivated for? So the question is not if you have vision driving your life. The question is who is setting the vision? And I want you to notice the place where this story began because I think it's important. Jesus has told his disciples, he said, hey, get into a boat and go to a place where I want you to go. And because they obeyed Jesus, they found themselves in a place and a posture. In the context of the story, that place is a 17-foot-long fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. And because they find themselves in a place where Jesus told them to be, they are able to posture themselves for a vision of Jesus that they were meant to have. Because they were in a place where Jesus told them to be, they were able to posture themselves for a vision that Jesus told them or meant for them to have. And so my question to us, our seniors and our church is, have we postured ourselves in places in this next season of life or in this current season of life where we can receive a fresh vision of who Jesus is? Do we posture ourselves in the morning? Do we posture ourselves in our community? Do we posture ourselves in the way that Jesus can give you a fresh vision? And so that's kind of the first principle we see unfolding here in Matthew chapter 14 is this principle of vision. But I love the way that this story keeps going because it doesn't just stop with vision. It then leads to permission. And that's kind of the second principle, the principle of permission. Peter looks out on the water and he says, okay, Lord, I, I think that's you. I'm pretty sure that's you, Jesus. I can't tell. And so he asks, hey, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to come to you. And have you ever been in one of those moments where you look upon the waters of your life and you look out and you go, I think that's you, Lord. I think that's you calling me. I think that you calling me to take that job. I, I think that you calling me to step into that neighborhood. I think that you calling me into this relationship. I think that you calling me into this major. I think that you calling me into this act of service. I think that's you, Lord, calling me. But I'm, I'm not sure. Have you ever been in one of those moments where your vision of Jesus is simply blurred at best? And the disciples are here in the boat, and Jesus is out across the water. It's dark. There's mitts. The sun is just, just starting to come up, and they can't tell if it's Jesus or not. And so Peter does the only thing he knows to do, and he, says, and he yells out. And he says, hey, Jesus, if that is you, would you give me permission to come to you? And this is so important because I hope um, the way you hear this, depending on your stories, you can find yourself on both sides of this story here in this moment. But Peter is going to understand. That Jesus' life is his invitation. But it's Jesus' voice that's the confirmation. Jesus' life is Peter's invitation. 
whose idea was it for Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water? Was it Jesus' idea? No, it was Peter's idea. But Peter saw Jesus on water, and Peter understood that the essence of discipleship is not about thinking rightly or singing rightly or listening rightly, but discipleship is about being where your master is. And he looks out and he realizes that his master's not in the boat. And all of a sudden he goes, what am I doing in the boat if you're not here, Jesus? And I think for some of us, we spend our entire lives waiting around for Jesus to call us to do something that his life has already given us the permission to do. And we deceive ourselves going, man, if only God would call me into this, I would do it. But until then, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And Peter understood that Jesus' life is the invitation and Jesus' voice is the confirmation. Because sometimes, and sometimes in our eagerness and our zeal, uh, we might even jump out on the wrong side of the boat and we find ourselves swimming in the midst of our foolish decisions. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Saying like, man, God has called me to do something and then you jump out of the boat and you realize, um, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that wasn't Jesus calling me to do that. Maybe that was my own ego. Maybe that was my own desires. Maybe that was my own thoughts. And so you see this principle of vision. You see this principle of permission And then you see the principle of movement. And this, for me, might be the hardest moment in the story. And it's this moment in verse 28 and 29 where Peter yells to Jesus, Hey, if that is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus gives him the one word that had to terrify him, right? Jesus says, Hey, come. Come play. Like, have you ever prayed that prayer that you were scared God would actually answer? Uh, Or... How many times did you ask God of something that you didn't really mean? I can't tell you how many times I've done that as if I could deceive the Lord, right? And the Lord, if that is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus goes, hey, come on. Come on, buddy. Come play. I wish we had more to the story here. And I wonder how long Peter was in the boat wrestling with what Jesus had just told him. Like, God, guys, what do you think Jesus actually meant? Like he turns around to his disciples, he said, what do you think he actually meant by the word come, right? Do, do we have somebody that can look this up in the Greek and figure out what Jesus meant, right? Does anybody have a commentary in the boat so that we can do a little more research about it? Like did, G, did Peter just sit there tiptoeing on the waters or trying to figure out if he's actually going to put a foot out on the water? And you see this moment that's an incredible scene. Can you imagine what it would have been like And Peter takes a step out of the boat and begins walking towards Jesus. You see, in order for you to go from where you are to where God meant for you to be, you've got to take a step. There's a place where your intellectual faith cannot carry you. There's a place where belief must become action, or yet it ceases to be belief. And the scariest part of the story is when we move from the stands to the field, it's this moment of movement where Jesus says, take a step. Have you ever noticed that the hardest step of faith is oftentimes the one that's right in front of you that you can't seem to get the courage to take? The hardest step of faith is always the step that is right in front of you, and it's the way it unfolds. It's this principle of vision, this principle of permission, the principle of movement, and maybe the most unpopular moment of the story. And seniors, if you ask any adults in the room, they'll tell you that this is a part of life, and it's the principle of failure. 
Now, this story, story is not going to go the way you expect it to go if you're reading the Bible for the first time. Um, like up to this point, if you're reading the Bible for the first time, the disciples have experienced a crazy amount of success, right? They fed thousands of people. They've healed hundreds of people. And Je- every time that they've done what Jesus has told them to do, they've experienced success. They've seen God do amazing things. And so if you don't know the way this story un- go- unfolds in your mind, it's like, okay, Jesus tells Peter to come out on the waters and, and they're going to run out on the waters and, and the disciples are going to go with them and they're going to just run across to the other side of the lake and leave the boat in the water. But that's not how this story goes. Right? Peter gets out of the boats and he walks for a distance, right? Uh, we know he walks far enough to where he falls into the water. His first option is to grab Jesus' hand, not the side of the boat. And so he experienced a large amount of success. But he was on the top of the water and he starts to see the winds and the waves and the fear begins creeping in and he falls through the water and all of a sudden, all the shame all the embarrassment of doing what you think Jesus asked you to do begins to creep in. Have you ever been there before? Where you think you do what Jesus has asked you to do, and man, it feels like a whole lot of failure. And all of a sudden, Jesus or Peter is under the water, and he's raising his hands, and he's saying, Jesus, 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 save me. And I want you to hear this because it's so important, especially to our seniors. Being faithful does not protect you from real failure. In fact, I would argue that the Bible makes it clear that being faithful often brings you to places of real failure because it's there at the end of your strength. It's there at the end of your resources. It's there at the end of your personality. It's there at the end of your charisma. It's there at the end of your good looks, at the end of your success. It's there at the end of yourself. That Jesus' hands plunge down into the waters of our failures and raises you up into this new life, walking in new ways. And you and I begin to walking with Jesus in a whole new life. And sometimes in our attempt to protect ourselves from failures, we might actually be protecting ourselves from what Jesus is calling us into for our life. And there's this moment where Peter is learning that the hard hard way. And so you have this vision of the Lord You have his permission to come. And when you take a step of faith, sometimes it might look like a little bit of failure, but I promise Jesus is doing something in the middle of that. Now, I don't know about you, but as I think about this story, and especially as I read this younger, um, I would look at this story and I would think about this moment of failure for Peter and I would just kind of automatically assume that Peter and Jesus teleported back into the boat, right? But I oftentimes wonder if we had a little more to the story of what would it look like to have a little glimpse of what that journey back to the boat would have been like for Peter and Jesus. Like I read this story and I imagine Peter sinking in the water and they're teleported, but they had to be some sort of distance away from the boat, right? Where, where Peter reached out to grab Jesus' hand and not the side of the boat. So what was that journey like? Like, did uh, Peter just carry Jesus on top of the water? Did they walk hand in hand, right? Did they have a conversation going back to the boat where Jesus says, Hey, look, man, those guys back in the boat, they just saw you do that, and they are going to roast you when you get back in the boat, right? Like, but 
take, take heart. Like, we, we all know Thomas is a doubter. He's not going to believe that any of this is ever going to happen, right? And we all know what happened to Judas. And, and also, you know, the other people, uh, most people aren't really going to remember their name years to come. So what was that conversation to been like? I love playing those scenarios out in my head. And the reality is, is that you don't know, right? You don't know what this would have looked like. But what I do know is that Jesus was in it. What I do know is that Jesus was there. And that brings us to our fifth principle, and it's the principle of worship. And seniors, during this new season of life, a new milestone for you. It's a time where we worship and adore Jesus. And this, is, this has been hitting me all week long. Um, here in this passage, there are two different types of worshiper, worshipers here in the, in the boat at the end of this passage. There are the 11 who are dry. Uh, those who are there in their comfort and joy of the boat. And they had just seen God do something so amazing. And then verse 23, you have the 11 that were dry and they were all sitting there. You have Peter as well. They were all sitting there praising Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So you had 11 guys who were dry, 11 guys who were comfortable, 11 guys who were safe. And then you had Peter, who was soaking wet and a little bit embarrassed, sitting there in the boat worshiping Jesus. And here's the choice that I think we have, seniors and the Church of Hendersonville. During this new and current season of life, I wholeheartedly believe that you can worship Jesus as a spectator or you can worship Jesus as a participant and both ways honor God. But I would argue that only one way of worship is any fun. Only one way of worship experiences the transformation that fully and deeply reflects who Jesus is. Because there's something that happened to Peter on that day that he experienced with Jesus that the 11 did not. That propelled him into everyday life and what he was to do to come. You can totally sit there and be a participant, watching the things of what Jesus is doing in the world and participating in those things from afar. Or... You can be someone who is watching and participating actively of what Jesus is doing currently in the world. And both things honor God. You see, seniors in church, I believe we are made to worship Jesus on top of the waters. You are made to be water walkers, kingdom bringers, disciple makers. And Peter is going to experience what every one of them is made for here in this story. And he found himself in this unbelievable place of worship. And so seniors, as you embark on this new season of life, and church, as we continue to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, let's posture ourselves to receive a vision of Jesus. Let's take a step. Let's get out on the waters, potentially get a little wet. Let's jump out and participate on what God is doing in the world to prepare for his coming. Seniors, church, the time on the sidelines has come to an end because God has given each and every one of you, regardless of your background, regardless of your past mistakes, a place to participate in the starting 11 on the field. One of the ways that we love to do that here um, at Hendersonville for our seniors 
uh, in this milestone of life is a moment where we have an option to encourage them to move from the stands to the field. And, you, and the way we do that is by giving them a Bible here at Hendersonville. And seniors, if you would like to be making your way to the line right here, that would be great. One way we would love to do that is by giving them a Bible because we b- deeply believe that a Bible is something, the Word of God is something that can give our seniors in every phase of their life a fresh vision of Jesus that we all need. With that being said, I would like to invite just our seniors and then also Haley Parrott to the stage to present the class of 2023 with a Bible. And as they're making their way to the position, let me just offer a quick blessing to the class of 2023. Class of 2023, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through your wildernesses. May he protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into our our doors. Haley? Awesome. Um, We are just so excited um, that we get to celebrate our seniors this morning. Um, And so, first up is uh, Megan Birmingham. And Megan will be graduating uh, from Station Camp High School, where she played volleyball. Um, And during that time, she got all-county, district, region tournament teams. uh, And she also served on the National Honor Society um, as an officer of Beta Club and was in the top 10 of the 2022 Sumner County Math Competition. Megan plans to attend Harding University in the fall, where she will study communication sciences and disorders. Next up, we have Callie Boone. Callie also graduated from Station Camp High School, uh, where she played alongside uh, Megan um, on the volleyball team, and where she received the District uh, Volleyball MVP. Um, she was the vice president of theater um, and was voted most likely to be on Broadway. <laughs> Callie plans to attend Volunteer State Community College in the fall, where she will uh, study radiology. All right, next up we have Griffin Carpenter. Griffin is graduating from White House High School where he played football. Uh, Griffin has been named the valedictorian for his class and holds many academic accomplishments. During his time at White House, he was the Beta Club president, vice president of Honor Society, and a member of the choir. He plans to attend the University of Alabama and major in business. Next up we have Xander Daly. Xander is graduating from Beach High School, uh, where he participated in the Future Farmers of America, specializing in reptiles and amphibians. Um, He has worked with younger students, helping them understand the time and care that comes with these animals. He plans to attend Tennessee Technological uh, University in the fall, where he will major in biology with a focus in herpetology. Next up, we have Kylie Ellis. Kylie will be graduating from Beach High School as well. She plans to attend Volunteer State Community College in the fall where she will study graphic design. Next up, we have Mia King. She will be graduating from Good Pasture Christian School where she was graduating in the top 10% of her class. She was also involved in leading a girls ministry, being a student athletic trainer and being a yearbook editor. Mia plans to attend Lipscomb University in the fall where she will study nursing. 
Matthew Massey will be graduating from Station Camp High School, where he played basketball and baseball. He was named All-District for both teams in 2022 and District er, Basketball MVP in 2023. He plans to attend the University of Knoxville. Katie Needells. Katie will be graduating from Home Life Academy, and in the fall, she plans to attend Paul Mitchell School and study cosmetology. Next up, we have Claire Owens. Claire will be graduating from Hendersonville High School, and in the fall, she plans to attend Volunteer State Community College. Next up, we have her twin, Campbell Owens. Campbell will also be graduating from Hendersonville High School and plan to attend Volunteer State Community College in the fall. Next up, we have Luke Richardson. Luke is graduating from Gallatin High School, where he was voted most likely to succeed. He was a member of the Gallatin High School football team, where he was named the National Football Foundation Scholar Athlete. Luke plans to attend Harding University in the fall, where he will study aerospace engineering. Lastly, we have Case Webb. Case is graduating from Station Camp High School, where he was a member of the Beta Club. Case participated as a member of the Station Camp uh, cross-country and track team for all four years. He plans to attend Volunteer State Community College in the fall, where he will study fire science. This is your graduating class of 2023. Uh, Congregation, as um, Landon comes up to lead us in a few songs, we ask that our seniors and their families head to their assigned areas around the auditorium where an elder or minister will pray over them as they impart on their new journey. <laughs> 